You're tuned in to Nerd Overload, your weekly show for video games, movies, TV shows, comics, tech news, and more. Sponsored in part by Creative Foundations, employing individuals with disabilities. Now your hosts, Cody Pinnock, Samantha Cross, Sam Dunham, and Josh Harrison. Hey, welcome back. It's time for another Nerd Overload, the pop and geek culture show that covers everything from Blackulas to zombies. I'm Josh. I'm Sam. I'm Cody. And I'm Samantha. We have a great show for you. Thank you for tuning in. Got a bunch of stuff lined up for you, including some news and an interview with uh, Jackie Naaman Jones and Tanya Atomic. <laughs> of uh, Manos Returns, the upcoming kick- the Kickstarter to fund the upcoming sequel to Manos, The Hands of Fate. Yep, look forward to that. But uh, as first, as always, let's get into some things we've been uh, checking out. Uh, yeah, you know, I'll just go ahead and go. Uh, I've been playing a little bit of the uh, new Street Fighter V. Just came out on Tuesday. And yes, and uh, be honest, I'm not super impressed at this point. It is uh, not a complete game. That's what I've heard. Yeah, uh, if you if you like uh, online play, that's great because that's pretty much all that's there. Uh, You have online if you there's a uh, um, uh, versus mode if you have a couple people here you know here with you to play, and there is probably the weakest story mode. I have ever seen in a any kind of fighting game ever. There's no like uh, arcade mode where you go through you and know seven fight fighters. The you, there's nothing like that. Instead, you have for each character is a different specialized like story mode where it has um, I don't want to say animated cutscenes. They're more like uh, drawings that they've cut out and are moving across the screen. Oh, with, it's like a visual novel, kind of like day. a visual novel, mm. interspersed with three single round fights with against the AI that is probably the dumbest like <laughs> fight AI I've ever played against better or worse than dong dong never dies AI. worse wow oh yeah no the the AI doesn't know how to do anything and the uh story modes for each character takes I'd say about 10 minutes <laughs> if that no actually less than that now that I'm thinking Ouch. about it because the first time I my graphic settings were turned up a little too high so everything was moving in slow motion <laughs> But uh, yeah, I've gone through the Ken and Ryu ones, and there's one for each of the characters. Ken's took me about five minutes. Uh, uh, Ryu's, like I said, took a little longer because I had the graphics turned up too high. How many characters are there? Uh, there are 12, I think. 12 or 14, something like that. Wow, that's not a lot. That's really not. Um, the story itself is kind of compelling, I guess, if you're into the Street Fighter lore. But right now, it's not worth the money. Now, I will say they are going to be rolling out um, in months down the line. Next month, they're going to be putting in their first DLC character, which you can unlock with in-game credits. You don't have to actually pay for. You you get credits every time you uh, fight. fight or it's called fight money. Fight money or something like that, yeah. <laughs> and they're going to be adding in a full story mode that's like all of the different story modes coming together. And, and it's supposed to be like over an hour of animated like full anim 3d animated content so i guess that's good um then they shouldn't have released the game until a month later i agree <laughs> sounds like it's almost like it's like like they made you just pay full price for like a demo and here yeah. you go pretty much yeah it's an incomplete game it's, and, I, and it's I'll, early access street fighter mm-hmm. <laughs> and if i'll tell you what if this is all we were getting uh it would be a like a six and a half or a seven out of ten right now it's not worth the money it's not worth it. <laughs> Wait. Wait yeah. on the Street Fighters. Now, uh, down the road, they are going to be putting out a new DLC character every 
every two months for the year for the season one pass, I guess. And they are going to be adding challenge mode and they're going to be adding in different things to kind of flesh out the game a little more. Yeah, stuff that should have been in there from the beginning. Yeah. Well, yeah. it was in there with Street Fighter 4. Like the challenge modes and the, you know, arcade mode style. This is basically the mode that you would go to the arcade and play. Like two-player mode. <laughs> and that's it. That's you know, all there is. I think this might be my advanced age talking, but... uh. I remember when games used to come out complete. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> wow, like, you are old. Yeah, I know. But, like, seriously, it feels like ever since the whole DLC craze thing even started, developers have been getting, I don't want to say lazy is the proper word, but... I don't think it's the developers. I think it's the publisher. Well, the publisher, yeah. yes. I'm sorry, the publisher... They they're leaning too heavy onto the like the evergreen style of yeah. like gameplay yeah. where instead of putting everything out at once and having the game ready to go, they drip feed it to the players so that to kind of cause make them come back and play more often. And so some games that'll work for Splatoon, like Splatoon, it worked for for Splatoon. Mm-hmm. But Splatoon they, still had a lot of content. Not really. Not from the start. Not really. It had oh. like four maps, mm-hmm. and they rotated every like couple hours. So. It was pretty light when it first came out, but they updated it constantly. Yeah. Whereas Street Fighter's, what, a month, month or two? Every, yeah, the the first uh, update comes out in the next month in March, and then uh, two months after that it will be the next update, and then they'll start rolling out more stuff as it goes. Yeah, like Splatoon updated like that week. Yeah. <laughs> I so. mean, it, it's, it, regardless, it's it's stupid. Yeah. It's, mm-hmm. it's It feels like it's all just a scam to pr- try to get as much money as you can. Pretty much. They're making you pay $60 for a game that, from the way you make it sound, is barely half a game. Right now? Yeah. You got, you got Battlefronted, man. You got Mead. Yeah. yeah. You got Star Wars Battlefronted. <laughs> I did. I did. DLC is a great idea that is rarely ever executed correctly. Uh-huh. I agree. Like this new Fire Emblem that's coming out that's split up into, like, three different games. That's kind of crappy. Yeah. I mean, I'm going to play it. I'll probably buy all the different <laughs> parts, but... <laughs> but I don't like the way they set it up. Yeah. I mean, there's a dialogue choice where you choose what side you want to be about five missions in, I guess. And if you choose the other one, it's like, well, buy it. Like right there in the game. Really? Like, well, okay, you got to buy the other half. So then why give you the choice? I don't know. <sighs> well, you got to start with one. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's ridiculous. It's, 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 it's killing me. Mm-hmm. It's stupid. It really, really is. I just don't understand why we can't just get a game that we can just play and oh, not that, have to worry about all this. That other fire emblem depends on how long the that camp each campaign is. If they're really long, then I would understand. Right. It's frustrating. But also, you know, I've got, you know, stacks and stacks and stacks of like, you know, GRPGs from like the nineties and early two thousands that were like ready to roll right then with hours and hours and hours and hours of content. Well, like you used to didn't have to unlock stuff in games too. Mm-hmm. Or if you did, it was optional. And it rewarded you for hard work. Yeah, like, you you got everything you paid for right out. Like Mario Kart, mm-hmm. you got all the characters right there. All the tra- Well, not all the tracks, all but one. Yeah. Cup, but it was all right there. Like, you didn't have to unlock any characters. And, I mean, sometimes that progression is good to keep you playing, but a lot of times I think they just lock stuff behind walls for no good reason. Well, again, it's that um, making you come back and play more often and, you know, trying to make it more evergreen, I guess. But if they just make a good game, then they don't have to yeah, exactly. to those gimmicks. Exactly. Well, there you go. 
But uh, really, that's all I've been. Had, that's all I've had time to check out. It's really been kind of a light week for me. Yeah, so. I've, I've had a lot of homework I've been doing, but yeah. I did manage to put in a little bit of time with a uh, cool golf game. Oh yeah. <laughs> What is it? Vertiguous Golf, I think is what it's called. Yeah. It's a it's a steampunk dystopian mini golf game <laughs> played from the first person perspective. It's in a humble bundle that's out now. You can get it for like I think a dollar. No, it's like five bucks. Okay. And you get four copies. <laughs> <laughs> but it it's a, like a little mini golf game that takes place in the sky <laughs> and it's steampunk themed. It actually has a story mode. Really? With a pretty interesting story about two... There's these two different cities, and one is the slummy one Mm -hmm. called, I think, Scudsboro that's in the ground, and it's all polluted. And the other one's New London, and it's up in the sky where people play sky golf. Oh, jeez. And everything's perfect. And it's about the two cities, you know, fighting, and there's freedom fighters. And, like, it's all spelled out through audio logs that you get by running over these uh, vinyl records on the golf course. Mm-hmm. Like, the story mode plays different than regular golf. You just have to hit it to these different records along the different courses that unfold the story. Okay. And the story is actually pretty interesting. And it even changes, like, like it doesn't have a traditional main menu. It has, like, a street with two buildings you can go into in mm-hmm. first person. And it actually changes that environment as you move through the story. Oh, Wow. It's, it's a lot going on for a actually pretty solid mini golf game, too. Excellent. That sounds really cool. And uh, the, you have, like, you can rewind time if you have the fuel for it. So if you <laughs> mess up a shot, you can rewind mulligan. time and yeah, have a mulligan, basically. Nice. Uh, you have a flying mechanical caddy? No, golf a bag? hummingbird. Oh, okay. That you can drive to look around the course. Oh, oh. right. It's, it's a really neat game. Huh. Excellent. It has online multiplayer, too, and apparently you can, like, get items to mess with the other player oh. while they're shooting and stuff. Oh, Excellent. Man. I think I know what we're doing. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's a, it's a really cool game. You can get it for real cheap on uh, Humble Bundle. Cool. Or you can be friends with, with you, Cody, and yeah, send then... out, you know, a couple copies of that. <laughs> that was great. Thank you, buddy. <laughs> no problem. There's actually there's some cool... Um, free-to-play MMO paid content in that Humble Bundle, too. You get, like, a starter pack for Wildstar. Oh, cool. Uh, you get pirate gear for Neverwinter, oh. which is pretty cool. Nice, nice. Uh, it's a cool... Check out that Humble Bundle. It's pretty sweet. Yeah. Sounds good. How much longer does that hum- Humble Bundle have? I think it just started. It just started? So, like, is that, like, is it the week one? Uh, I think it's just regular Humble Bundle, so it oh, might okay. be longer than a week. Well, right on. Excellent. So I thought you'd be interested in Pirate Gear for Neverwinter. <laughs> I I have Neverwinter. I haven't played it in probably months. Well, now that you can yeah. be a pirate, know, right? you're probably going to jump right Yarr! back in. Yeah. <laughs> I played it when it came out, and I really liked it, and I just kind of forgot about it. <laughs> it's actually kind of action-y and fun. I cool. would I would recommend Neverwinter if you're in the mood for an MMO. Oh, very cool. Also, Wildstar is good. <laughs> yeah. I remember when uh, Neverwinter uh, rolled out because I was playing Champions, which was another one of their games, Cryptic's games, and they were doing a lot of, like, test stuff. They would, like, put, like, weird superhero skins on top of, like, things they were testing for Neverwinter <laughs> to kind of, like, soft, like, test it with, like, an, an established MMO community. So I remember a lot of that. That's when Champions got, like, car- like vehicles and stuff like that. <laughs> like, why am I fighting kobolds? Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't know. Did we watch anything? 
interesting. No. no. <laughs> <laughs> Watched a couple episodes of Once Upon a Time. Oh, <laughs> that's, your, your that's always hate fun. Watch. Yeah. We're in the fifth season now. Oh, cool. Where everything's backwards and everything is extra stupid. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny because we always watch it like at night before we go to go to sleep. And you're like, put something stupid on. And like that's the go-to to just put something <laughs> stupid on to fall asleep during. So my stupid, one of my stupid collectible money-wasting hobbies is a tabletop game called Heroclix. Yeah. And I, I know I've probably talked about it before. I think so. Uh, but Toy Fair happened, and for the most part, I was mostly following just Funko Pops. Sure. To collect those stupid things. And Hero Clicks. Well, finally got some pictures of the Ninja Turtle Hero Clicks. Okay. Which is probably the only set I've been super excited about for a long time. Yeah. They're pulling, like, there are multiple turtles. Okay. Like, from all over the different franchise, like, different versions of the franchise. Oh, right on. Like, um, there's a set of four that are painted black and white. Oh, okay, so the original Eastman and Laird? Yeah. Yeah, right on. And uh, there's a Shredder that goes with them, and I think maybe a Casey Jones. Okay, cool, cool. Uh, There's some of the Nickelodeon ones. Okay, eh, I don't like those. style. Yeah. Oh, like the 2000 Turtles? Yeah. No, 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 no. The new no? one, the now, the current one. Oh, the current the one. CGI I don't mind one. the current CGI I don't ones. mind it either. I, I think the story is actually pretty good in the in that series. Mm. Um, the 2000 animated series was good, too. Until there, that last season lot, where they went... To the future? Oh, to the future, yeah. That was a weird... That was dumb. Yeah, it was a weird future one. Future Turtle. Yeah. Um, but anyway, uh, we finally, I finally started to get to see pictures of it, and it made me even more excited. Yeah. And then they posted a picture, and I think they're going to be convention exclusives mm-hmm. that you can purchase. And one of them is a vehicle that is the Turtles van from the 80s cartoon. Excellent. Nice. There was also a Punisher van that comes with Punisher and a whole bunch of like weapon 3D object things to use. Sure. There was the 66 Batman on you a showed surfboard. me this one. Yeah, yeah. I'm excited his, for that. With his board shorts. Yeah, with his yeah. board shorts. <laughs> I feel uh, like the Punisher's van would be really creepy looking. Is it creepy looking? Not really. It's pretty actually really uh, basic looking. For some reason, I feel like the Punisher would drive like a, a molesty van. Oh, it does kind of look <laughs> like that. <laughs> it does kind of look like that. I mean, oh, if God. I bought it, I'd almost be tempted to paint free candy on the side of it. <laughs> God. <laughs> oh, boy. Frank Castle's candy van. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know why I feel like he would drive a molesty van. <laughs> Well, it could be worse. He could be the ice cream man from Spawn. But anyway, uh, <laughs> there was also, oh, there were a couple. There was a Kingdom Come Hawkman figure because the current DC set, all their really super rare, rare, rare figures are, are Kingdom Come based. Mm-hmm. And uh, Cosmic Daredevil. Cosmic Daredevil. Uh-huh. Uh, once in a while, they'll put out a, a character that has the, the power cosmic. And they've done Spider-Man, Hulk, X-23. You know, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But, uh, <laughs> I don't know. I'm mostly just excited for the Ninja Turtles and the Batman 66. Uh, because yeah. I need more stupid plastic crack that's going to collect dust in my house. Hey, you and me both, man. Looking around <laughs> looking around this office, I got to... Yeah. How can Daredevil get around in space? He's blind and there's nothing for... Like, there's no... I'm sure the power cosmic gives him some kind <laughs> of there's ability. There's no feels or smells or anything. <laughs> In space, no one can hear you sonar. <laughs> uh, I'm just saying space might not be the best place for Daredevil. Oh, yeah, I agree. That reminds me, uh, the Netflix released a trailer for the new season of Daredevil. I saw that. Yeah, I it looks really good. 
It does look really, really good. It looks real good. First I need to watch all of Daredevil still. Yeah. Oh, you, you need to cut off. You stink. I still haven't watched all of Jessica Jones either. And oh, I my God, that. dude. You fail at good television. Oh, here, come on. Here you are sitting there watching freaking Once Upon a Crap, <laughs> and you can't finish Daredevil and Jessica Jones, which are both equally amazing. Well, I hate Sorry. to cut this. Uh, <laughs> I hate to cut this geek beratement short, but uh, we actually have an interview that we did earlier this week with uh, Jackie Naaman Jones and Tanya Atomic from uh, Manos: The Hands of Fate. You want to go ahead and roll into that one? Sure. All right, hey folks, we're here with uh, Jackie Naaman Jones, uh, the producer of uh, the upcoming movie Manos Returns, and uh, one of the stars of the original Manos: The Hands of Fate, which you might have seen on Mystery Science Theater three thousand. And we're also uh, here with Tanya Atomic, the uh, director of uh, Manos Returns. Uh, Jackie, Tanya, how are you doing this evening? Doing great. Doing good. Well, thank you very much for coming on, by the way. I uh, really appreciate it. Uh, just got a couple of quick questions for you. Um, I'm a huge fan of Manos, the original. Uh, you know, I'm a Mr. Science Theater guy and everything. And I just ha- I got to start with a couple of quick questions about that because I'm, I'm dying to know. Okay. Uh, <laughs> so I love, I love answering Manos questions. So. Oh, great. <laughs> well, uh, Jackie, you were you like I said, you played Debbie and Debbie. If for folks who haven't seen the movie, she was like the young daughter of the couple that gets trapped at the at the lodge where, you know, all the weird stuff happens with Torgo and the master and everything. Uh, what were some of your of your experiences while making the film? Um did you, were you aware that, you know, you were making a movie at the time or what do you, what did you kind of think what was going on with all this weird stuff happening around you? Yeah, well, my dad had been in theater, so I was used to um, him running lines and, uh, and the makeup and the costumes. And he, he was also a, an artist and did a lot of uh, shows. And so I was, uh, I was used to living with this very, interesting bohemian style family in the mid 60s so nothing really surprised me and then being out there was just it was really and still is those memories of the greatest summer of my life (laughs) because I mean truly I got to I got to be the only kid out there Uh, I got to stay up all night if I wanted to I got to be with my dad doing his passion, what he loved the most, which because I adored him so much, that was my passion too. And um, so it really was. And I, you know, people say, well, how can you remember so well after so many years? And the truth is I, I did remember well because I've done a lot of interviews and talked to people and, and they're kind of bouncing back the same stories that I recall. And, uh, I always say that it's like, you know, the best summer or the best birthday party or the just the best experience of your childhood. You you cherish those memories and you uh, you nurture them and you hold on to them so that when you're adult, it's not like they just pop up out of nowhere. You've been holding on to them a long time. <laughs> and uh, so anyway, that's how it was for me. It, it really was. It was like the best birthday party, the best vacation, the best everything of my childhood. Oh, wow. Well, that's, that's awesome. (laughs) That's, that's excellent. Um, I was curious what, uh, you, what you thought when you first saw, uh, Torgo, uh, what was that like working with, you know, the guy with the, you know, the prosthetics on his legs and all that. John Reynolds. Well, he was, a he was in the theater too. Oh, okay. 
Uh, he'd been in several plays with my dad. He and my dad were actually pretty good friends. They were both method actors and uh, very, very involved. Mm-hmm. And they were also writers and and they did poetry and, um, you know, just... Uh, John Reynolds was very depressed, you know. I mean, he had a lot going on. I'd, I'd heard a, l- a little bit about that, yeah. Yeah, so ultimately he committed suicide just one month before the Monos premiere, but that was just devastating to, uh, oh, to our family. I'm... I mean, because they were friends, and my dad had really reached out and tried to help him in a lot of a lot of cases. So, So we knew him from before, and he actually lived... Uh, at the time of his death, he lived just uh, less than two blocks from us. So I used to walk by his place all the time. And and uh, my dad and I together uh, stopped in to check on him a few times. Oh, wow. Know, that time. So he was, a, he was just a really sweet guy. And uh, he was actually very, very talented. Mm-hmm. And, um, but, you know, I, I like to say that if you watch movies, sometimes there's um, talented people that are just put into the wrong place. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> you know, and and there are actors that aren't that great that are uh, with great directors that, that pull wonderful things out of them. Mm-hmm. You know, I think and, he was legitimately really great in Man <laughs> honestly. He oh, was. Yeah. 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 He really was very talented. The other thing that you have to understand about Manos is. All of these people were uh, theater trained, and this is 1966, so nobody knew anything about film or television. I mean, in 1966, we had three television stations, and they went off at like 11 p.m., so there was no, you know... (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, right. There was no experience behind Mm -hmm. this. I wasn't aware that, you know... um he had worked with your, with your dad in prior uh, theater things. I'm really sorry to hear about, you know, his, his passing and, and all that. Uh, but no, I really, I really do think he probably did put in a, just an amazing performance in Manos. He was, did the best with what he was, with what he was given, you know? Yeah. And you know, he's, uh, he was, uh, kind of on the decline at that point anyway. So there was some drugs involved and things. Mm -hmm. I mean, it could have been that, that he's, I mean, well, for sure, everybody saw the handwriting on the wall. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it could have been that uh, he just realized which way this thing was going and decided um, to play it not so straight. Yeah. <laughs> I just want to move ahead forward a little bit in time. Um, you know, Manos, it premiered in, um, it, it was in Texas. Am I correct in that? When it was filmed in the original premiere and everything? Yeah, El Paso, Texas. El Paso, that's right. And uh, it kind of, it you know, it ran through uh, drive-in theaters for a while and it kind of faded into obscurity, uh, only to have it pop back up in the 90s with Mystery Science Theater. What was it like seeing, uh, you know, this little film that you worked on all those years ago become all of a sudden back in the public mind and argu- on, on one of arguably one of the best episodes of Mystery Science Theater, one of the <laughs> most memorable ones, I guess? Well, like I said, you know, I, I nurtured those memories, and one of the reasons I uh, cherish them so much is that we never saw Manos after the premiere, and the premiere was so horrible that nobody ever talked about it after that. And so uh, it was kind of my little private thing, and 
and I looked for it for many years once I was a teenager and, and into an adult. Mm -hmm. So I'd given up on it long before 1993. And then my dad called me saying that he'd seen it on TV because he, he's a Mystery Science Theater fan. Mm -hmm. And and he was napping, and he opened his eyes, and there he was. You know, <laughs> he, you know he called me, and he told me, and I tracked it down, and I got a, a VHS bootleg copy from somebody in the Comedy Central offices, uh, you know, at HBO offices, mm -hmm. and um, I watched it, put it away, and was satisfied. And then all this stuff starts happening and, and more stuff starts happening. And I start meeting these most amazing people. And because of this crazy movie, I'm having this incredible journey and experience. Oh, yeah. Now that, that uh, honestly, I say nobody's made for this but me. I mean, this is I this is incredible yeah it really is and you know uh what really uh was incredible was a couple years ago when um uh what's his name ben Solvi, i think is how you pronounce it he yeah. found the an original 16 millimeter print of manos and had the kickstarter to have it uh uh restored oh and, it's crazy uh -huh. yeah. yeah that whole story on how he how it came how it came to exactly the right person mm -hmm. who wasn't going to just tuck it away somewhere. Somebody who had, you know, the experience and the wherewithal and the love to make this happen. It's, uh, and, and I have to tell you, I don't know if you've read some of the articles on that, but, uh, before that mono survived an earthquake, you know, with, uh, uh, a lot of other films that were owned by um, Emerson Film that had Monos were destroyed. Oh wow! Not, oh my goodness! <laughs> yeah, it's it's meant to be. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. And, wow. Yeah, uh, Mr. Sullivan did an excellent job with the restoration. I own a copy of it, and uh, uh, just amazing what a little bit of cleaning could do. You, there are things in the background that no one had seen for fifty years. You know. Just, oh, uh, just a phenomenal yeah. job, and he's working on uh, um, uh, the atomic, the atomic yeah, brain or something brain. like that now. So, <laughs> yeah. So I'm looking, looking forward to that as well. Oh, yeah. Um, actually, I want to jump over to Tanya for just a minute. Um, uh, you've been a director and actress in a number of, uh, you know, lower budget movies and everything. I'm actually uh, one of the things mm -hmm. I kind of recognized from your filmography was uh, your part in the 2015 anthology film uh, Hobo with a Trash Can. Um, oh, okay. Yeah. So uh, I was just curious uh, what your history was with um, with Manos and how did you get involved with the uh, Manos Returns project? Well, um, I was first introduced to it through Rachel Jackson, who is the director of um, the creator, director, writer of Manos, The Hands of Felt. Okay. The um, yeah. So, uh, so I actually have known her for a long time. We used to work together and we always stayed friends and she has been in, actually in a number of my films too, including, um, Plain Devil, which has a really fun role as sort of this, um, nerdy girl in a girl gang. Um, <laughs> and she introduced me to the, to the movie and I watched it. Um, I first watched it actually because I was going to go to her show, The Hands of Felt, and I wanted to. Um, you know, kind of get ready and get all the jokes and everything. Mm -hmm. So um, that's how I first got um, sort of introduced to it. And the interesting thing is I remember 
um, I was watching the Mystery Science Theater version, and when Jackie's dad, Tom, <clears throat> came on the screen, and there was a couple times where um, he had some lines and was doing some things, and I was like, I was like, I know this movie's like supposed to be like the worst movie and really bad and everything, but he's actually really compelling. Oh yeah, and yeah. very interesting. <laughs> yeah, and I was like, there's things about this movie, you know, like he's got the robe, which is cool, and then this painting, and then and of course Torgo, and there's all these like things that are interesting about the film, uh, which is funny to me now, because now I know it's all of those things. Most of those things um, were from Tom. Um, and his family created a lot of that stuff. And, um, but anyway, so that's how he was introduced to the film. And then fast forward to a couple of years later, um, the, my co-editor on Plain Devil actually was telling me, he's like, hey, are you familiar with this film, um, Mono Sands of Fate? And I was like, oh, yeah, you know, you know, through Rachel and everything, I know all about it. And, and um, he's like, well, I'm actually involved in writing the sequel for it. And, um, you know, we actually talked about it a couple more times before he was like, you know, we all talked about it and we decided we want you to be the director and what do you say and, and, and everything. And I was like, you know, are you completely serious? <laughs> I was like, really? <laughs> Me? But, um, but after, you know, now after looking at all of this and thinking about all this, I, I understand why they came to me. Um, but at first it was just kind of like, what? Um, but now I'm like, yeah, okay, I understand. I understand where because the, the tone of the movie, what they want to do and all the people involved completely makes sense. Um, turns out, you know, that, that Jackie and Rachel had known each other. I didn't know that at the, you know, at the time, but also I came to the film through Steve who knows Jackie through another mutual friend, Joe. So we're all connected interestingly wow, enough. And then that's like a crazy kind of, yeah, it's kind of everyone yeah, seems to know everybody and it all kind of fit together it, perfectly. That's great. It all came together. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's, it's the, and I, I admit it's the will of monos. Yes, that's <laughs> it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Gotcha. But yeah, that's how I, I came to be involved in it. And it, it just feels, it feels very natural yeah, at this point. Absolutely. It sounds like it. Yeah. Well, you have about, uh, at the time of this recording, you have about two weeks left in your Kickstarter. And it looks to, looks like it's about 70, 75% uh, funded. So it looks it looks very likely that this that the movie is going to be made. What can uh, uh, fans of the original Manos, as well as um, folks who are new to, you know, the hands of fate, uh, what can they expect from uh, Manos Returns? Well, I, I would say that there's going to be, I mean, it is going to have a comedic tone to it. Mm -hmm. Um Partially, I think that's very clever. The way that Steve wrote it is, he wrote it understanding that fans of Manos, most of them came to it from Mystery Science Theater, mm -hmm. and um, there's kind of a fandom and sort of a cult fandom of people who both, ha you know, love it, and some people that love to hate it, and people that love it because it's sort of awkward. And so, so he wrote the script sort of with an understanding of that, and so he made it mostly comedy, but he also wanted to put and we all thought felt this way too, mm -hmm. to keep the characters from the original world of Monos in their original world mm -hmm. and have that be serious um, while having the comedy stuff as well. Um, there, you know, there's, we're going to see some of the original characters played by the original actors. Um, the sheriff's, the sheriff is going to be played by the original sheriff's son. Okay. So we're going to have a lot of 
yeah, we're going to have a lot of that thing. The, the music um, is going to be done by a couple of the original musicians and the original vocalist. Um, so basically we're trying to involve all as many original people as we can. There's going to be new characters though, who okay. encounter the lodge. And so, so there'll be that new element. Um, it is kind of self, um, uh, referential. So we do reference jokes about the original movie and that kind of thing. Okay. Um, so yeah, so it'll be funny. I think it'll be fun mostly. Okay. Um, it, I think mostly it's going to be fun. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and and I think that's how how I think of it too. Is uh, I think of it as a film that we're making to recognize some of the original people that have never had any recognition, like the musicians that were never credited in the first place. Mm-hmm. And um, as many people who follow Monos know, that the original cast and crew never got paid or anything for Monos, and so that's part of what we're doing too is uh giving back to them and creating a fan film that's just a whole lot of fun well that's that's great i mean it sounds like the 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 movie's going in just the (laughs) right direction you know just the way it it, the the way manos should be taken i suppose you know it's you know staying true to the original but adding a little bit of levity and kind of you know like you said the self-referential that sounds that sounds great and yeah. um, yep, and I understand your your dad is even coming back for it. He uh, he played the master. I don't know if we mentioned earlier yeah. the. So he's actually going to be coming back for it as well. And that's that's amazing. That's excellent. yeah. We're we're getting him in there, and I just want to say real quickly that we're we're not following the original stylistically, or um, you know, we have no intention of making a bad movie. Mm-hmm. It's tongue in cheek, but some people are misrep- misunderstanding that to mean that we're going to do something. And, you know, to make it like a bad movie. And we're not, you know, we're not doing a shark. Yeah, we're not or, dubbing or doing jump cuts <laughs> or, any of that, so. or anything like that. We're going to make the best movie we can. We have Tanya and Steve and Joe and myself. And we've all been self-employed for a long time. We're very resourceful. And and these people have won awards with no budget at all. And, and so this isn't a huge budget we're looking at, but it's it's enough to make a movie that we can all be really proud of. I know I can't wait to see Manos Returns. I I'm really looking forward to it. You have you have my money, of course. So <laughs> thank you. <laughs> yeah. So uh, so I think we're pre- getting pretty close to time here. But uh, before we let you go, um, I'll give you a minute to kind of plug whatever you'd like to for our listeners. All right. Well, for myself. Uh, the Kickstarter, uh, that's our focus right now, is uh, getting this funded so that we can we can get going. So monosreturns.com will take you there. And then for myself, I just completed writing a book called Growing Up with Monos, the Hands of Fate. And it's I did a, a ton of research, 16 months of research, finding people and talking to people and backgrounds. And it's a good story. Even if you don't know Manos, honestly, it's a good story. And it'll be out probably next month. Oh, wow. Excellent. And that's debbiesmanos.com. Um, as for me, you can find out everything on my website, tanyaatomic.com. It's T-O-N-J-I-A. It's how you spell Tanya. So it's tanyaatomic.com. And um, all my old films are on there. Um, if you're curious, Plain Devil um, with Rachel Jackson is also on there. You can also find that on Amazon. Mm-hmm. Um, Hobo with a trash can. Um, 
How about the trash can? I think you can just Google that. It's on a couple on online um, platforms where you can um, rent it on VOD. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and of course, our Kickstarter, which is going and has amazing perks I'm really excited about. So check it out. Well, great. Well, hey, uh, Jackie Naiman-Jones, Tanya Tomic, thank you again for coming on with us. Um, and good luck with the Kickstarter. I'm really looking forward Thanks. to it. Yeah, <laughs> looking forward to it. Sounds fantastic. Yeah. Thank you. Just keep spreading the word. Thank you. Nerd Overload is sponsored in part by Creative Foundations. Hi, my name is Robert. Hi, my name is Amber. Hi, my name is Jessica. I'm Jimmy, and I work at Creative Foundations. A store that employs people with developmental disabilities. We have four locations. Delaware, Mount Vernon, Marysville, and Urbana. Our website is creativefoundations.org. Find us on Facebook.
We're back. That was uh, Careless Whisper by Wham. We played that because of Deadpool. It was featured in the major motion picture film Deadpool. Yes. Uh, I don't think I've heard of it. (laughs) (laughs) Now, that's one thing that we all had a chance to check out this week. Uh, Yes, because it needed to. Oh, man. (laughs) Yes. And uh, it was great. Oh, yeah. It was fantastic. I was skeptical going into it because I was afraid that he was going to get annoying after 20 minutes. But they they did it. They made it work. Yeah, they spaced it out pretty well. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it was like 25% action movie, 75% comedy, I think. And yeah. it was like the perfect balance. Yeah, and like the movie wasn't very long at all, like in the scope of movies. It no. was only like an hour and 49 minutes long. And a really simple plot, too. Yeah, and I felt like something was going on pretty much all the time. Mm-hmm. There wasn't really like a dull moment. There was either like some kind of gag going on or just something. Yeah. And I mean, they gave they gave the character enough pathos mm-hmm. that made you kind of feel bad for him at some at one point. Then you start laughing at him again. Yeah. Well, they, they made him a believable person, kind of like mm-hmm. like he was less like this wacky, nutty Bugs Bunny character and more like just kind of that guy that doesn't know when to shut up. Yeah. Just <laughs> just believable enough of a cartoon character. For him to really work, I think. Yeah. 
And honestly, I was worried that like they were going to like overdo it on the fourth wall breaking bit. Yeah. But I think it was done enough. Yeah. Yeah. It was it, a, any more than that and it would have oh, fallen prob- flat for oh, sure. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. But uh oh man, I just I need to see it again so bad. I mean, this movie would be very very easy for him to mess it up. Like and they, super easy and yeah. they managed to do it. <laughs> yeah, I I know. Like I feel like it's seriously on on the shelf of movie very few movies that actually did justice to its source material, mm-hmm. and I don't pass that around lightly. It was probably better than a lot of Deadpool comics are, honestly. Um, it, it, modern day but Deadpool depends. comics, yeah, yeah, it depends. That's what I mean. That's what I mean. Like comparing the whole milieu of yeah. Deadpool comics, like I mean, yeah, there are like two hundred and fifty issues of Deadpool. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, I mean, everyone in the movie really did a, a great job. I will say uh, the guy who played Ajax, or Francis, <laughs> um, he was a little little weak thinking back on it. But I think he was supposed to be. But was, he was supposed to be. It was a bad character. Yeah. I mean, you can't... Every superhero movie has a crap villain. There hasn't been a superhero movie with a good villain yet, probably. Loki? Or, I like Loki. Okay, yeah, Loki, but... Ultron? Yeah, Ultron no, was. Yeah, Ultron uh, sucks. Uh, I don't know. I liked. I liked. Yeah. Ja- I liked James Spader. <laughs> I hate James Spader, and he just kind of walked around and James Spadered it the whole time. Just like, spadered all over spadered that. Spadered all over. <laughs> all over that robot suit. Yeah. But uh, but no, I mean, every every bit of Deadpool was great. It was about on par with any comic book movie villain. Yeah, and you know what? The really the the getting the villain aspect of deadpool really wasn't the point yeah it really wasn't it was but the the movie is pretty much all about deadpool yeah look at this clown go yeah pretty much (laughs) yeah oh man did we we want to get into spoiler territory or well i mean there's not a whole lot there's there's really not i mean no any big reveals or anything yeah Yeah. pretty much guess how it's gonna go for the first two minutes of the movie it's not the plot is minimal at mm-hmm. best. Yeah, like, and you can't oh, yeah. really spoil jokes. You just don't say the punchline. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, don't go into Deadpool looking for a, a, a engrossing plot line because you're not going to get that. But well, I knew joke, I, I knew it was jokes gonna get are that. great. Yeah, but I don't think you'd want a, an engrossing plot line in Deadpool. Yeah, no, it would get in the way of the jokes. Yeah, no, exactly. Um, the opening, I was losing it from the get-go with the opening credits. Oh, the opening credits Oh, yeah. <laughs> with, the, with the fake uh, um, credits there. Yeah. yeah. Nobody's actual name is given in the entire opening credits. Yeah, it's like a CGI monstrosity. <laughs> yeah, a completely CGI character. Uh, God's favorite idiot. God's fa- Yeah, I love that one. God's favorite idiot. <laughs> a hot chick. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Colossus was the best. Was the best character. He in the film. stole just about every scene he, <laughs> he was really in. He really was. He chewed it up. Yeah, like that bowl of cereal. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, when Deadpool made the joke about, oh, it's a big house. There's only two of you there. It's like almost like the studio couldn't afford more X Men. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, uh, the fact that he called Professor X a uh, uh, a Heaven's Gate looking guy. Yeah. Yeah. Yep, that was good. Um, oh, there's so many good jokes in that movie. It's ridiculous. Seriously, it's a super quotable movie, and mm-hmm. that that does all kinds of things for me. Oh, gross. Yeah. Not quite. Not like that. I'm not putting on my my Crocs. Oh God. <laughs> uh, but uh, no, everything was great. Um, you know, Gina Carano did a good job as the 
as the like the heavy <laughs> as punch lady punch lady yeah <laughs> oh uh angel dust yeah mm-hmm. yeah yep. they should have just called less punch lady l- yeah. less a- less angry rosie o'donnell <laughs> yeah you know, they pulled uh, Negatonic's teenage Negasonic teenage, teenage warhead. warhead. Yeah, they pulled her out of obscurity. Uh, she was yeah. She was really cool. Yeah, <laughs> like everybody, like I talk, like I talked to at work was like, who is that? And I was like, well, well she popped up in three panels of Grant Morrison's <laughs> run and was killed off like in one scene. Uh, I also love the fact that she had a blue, the yellow and blue X Men suit. Yeah, yeah, that was a, that was, I was a good. Super touch. excited about that. Yeah, I kind of wish Colossus would have had one. Uh, Actually, the terrible thing is, I think that Colossus looked better than the Colossus from like X Men Two. Oh yeah! Oh, oh, he absolutely absolutely did. He looked Looked, like Colossus. Looked and sounded. Now, yeah, they gave him that like cartoonish Russian accent. (laughs) (laughs) You will come. You will join X Men. How about no? Oh my god, when Deadpool's punching him and basically pulling a Monty Python in the in the, oh, the Black Knight. Like, yeah. He's got his two broken <laughs> He said something about a T-Rex because <laughs> his arms are flopping. Yeah, he's like, uh, all the other dinosaurs fear the T-Rex. And then he kicks him and breaks his leg. And he goes, yeah. hey, you ever hear the one about the one-legged guy in the ass-kicking contest? <laughs> oh, man. <sighs> yeah. <laughs> hey, kids, remember 127 hours? <laughs> Spoilers! <laughs> Oh, I love it. It's a great movie. Yeah. (laughs) Sorry I bled all over your garbage. (laughs) Oh, Oh, man. I read something where some lady apparently took her nine year old to Deadpool and uh, had to leave like 10 minutes in. Well, it's an R rated film. Yeah. Yeah, And and somebody somebody online was like, oh, man, too bad there wasn't some kind of warning or something. You know, you could have known ahead of time. Yeah. And so she's like, yeah, I know, right? And she goes, yeah, maybe, you know, that R rating. <laughs> and it was R. like, it wasn't just like an R either. It was like a hard I didn't R. I think it was that hard of an R. I don't know. They really threw around that <laughs> the F bomb. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's really not that. Well, like I honestly think that it could have been PG thirteen, and it still would have been good. Yeah, but I but the R that really kind of made it. It, I mean, it let him. It let him yeah. do some really. Fun I mean, it stuff. made it better that it was mm-hmm. R, but it still would have been a great movie, even if they did have to cut it down to PG. Oh man, St- yeah, Stanley's cameo. Now I get why it was his best. favorite. <laughs> yeah, the best. <laughs> Don't want to spoil it, yeah, but it yeah. was the best. That one. that one was pretty good. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, Weasel, Weasel was. I liked Weasel a lot more than Look, I actually thought I was going to. T.J. Miller's good in like, oh, yeah, he's everything. Oh, good. He's hilarious. Yeah. He's like an actual funny... Uh, uh, Comedian. Yeah. Well, yeah. Actor. But, uh, no, I was going to... Man. Gonna, I was compare him to someone. Human being. <laughs> Dickie Roberts. Uh, what? Uh, David Spade? Da- yes, thank you. David what? Spade. What? David <laughs> Spade isn't funny. I said... An, a, he said a funny David Spade. I don't... I don't get... I don't get your comparison. I just don't think David Spade's that funny by himself. Well, why are we talking about David Spade? <laughs> yeah. I'm comparing him to David Spade. Why? But funnier, a funny. Di- I don't know. <laughs> I don't. I, I've lost your. I've I lost this. I don't understand why you're. Com- it's okay. It's all right. Remind we'll, you of him? I don't want him. No, no. Does he remind you of him? Yes, yes. Oh. But funny. God. Okay. Jeez. Just cut all that out. No, I, I no. can't. <laughs> he doesn't. I, I just don't see how he reminds you of David Spade. I don't know. It's just something about him. I don't know. Oh, uh, whatever. Anyway, we're not talking about David Spade. We're talking about Deadpool. <laughs> what if Deadpool was played by David Spade? That'd be a terrible movie. Oh, God. That'd be an awful Can you movie. imagine that? Oh, man. Chris oh, Farley as Colossus. <laughs> <laughs> 
uh, all those little uh, in the in the in, during the opening credits when like the whole car crash is like in stop mode or whatever, mm-hmm. and all the little references floating around oh yeah uh like the picture of the green lantern uh-huh uh and there are a couple couple of digs on green lantern they actually mentioned batman and robin at one point they in the movie. did i don't know how not they only, got away with not that. only that but when uh the one guy is smashing deadpool's head into the console of the of that car mm-hmm. and the radio station keeps changing they do play the 66 scene change music for like a second yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> Oh, the action man. was really good. It really oh, was. Uh, I was worried that it was going to be a little too cartoony, like action-wise. Mm-hmm. But I think they they balanced it out well enough. Yeah, um, and I like how the um, there was only like two major like action scenes, two or three. But that first one was split up into like three parts because he would flash back. Yeah, he during yeah the he fight keep scene. jumping back and forth. Yeah, so it's like one cont- if if you put it together, one continuous fight scene, but it was chopped up into like little yeah. Bite-sized chunks. I like that a lot. So another thing is, that they, they, if you think about it, there wasn't a whole lot of set pieces. There was, no. They didn't go a whole lot of places. No. no. The bridge. The uh, bar. The bar. Uh, Blind Al's apartment. Yeah. Blind Al's apartment. And that uh, tanker or whatever they were on at the end. Yeah. Which, I that, mean, I can't really... That was a helicarrier. It was It was. That really? was a helicarrier. Oh, okay. See, I didn't... I think that was kind of just a... Kind of a ha-ha... MCU... We're okay, funny, so yeah. I didn't. Yeah, see, I I couldn't even tell. Yeah, that was a helicarrier. I, I thought it was just the tanker. Yeah, it was yeah. a helicarrier. Well, whatever. Uh, but no, it was really good. <laughs> when Deadpool gets stabbed in the brain by that knife and he starts hallucinating, starts seeing cartoons. <laughs> yeah, that was great. Um, you know, Monica Brackerin as um, copycat. Cop. Well, she wasn't copycat in this. Yeah, that's who she's um, supposed to be. You know, I. I wish she had a little more to do yeah. in the movie. Yeah. But again, this was this movie had a very simple plot, yeah. so yeah, I was you know, kind you of can't disappointed really... that the plot was like I saved my girlfriend, but I don't know. Eh. Yeah. I think it kind of worked for the movie. I mean, it worked, but it it could have been something more interesting, I think. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, and one... I mean, she did have some agency. Uh, she, she did. She broke out of her little pod pod and stuff, so she wasn't completely helpless. Yeah. No. <laughs> Uh, and they, she, they they established her as a strong character at the beginning. Yeah, yeah. She wasn't quite damsel in distress. A little bit. She was, but she was not to a tube. Yeah. <laughs> and you don't get much more damselly than that. I've seen worse. Um, I also liked how their love story wasn't all gushy and like romantic. It was a little, yeah. a little, it but was not a little. Only yeah. a little. <laughs> the, all the jokes during the um, their. Montage, extended romantic montage. <laughs> yeah, we'll call it that. Yeah, uh, I think the one that really, really got me uh, was the Lent one. I was yeah. gonna say, yeah, that was that was funny. But yeah. like, like there were two pieces of a jigsaw puzzle. Like that was pretty gushy. And the yeah. weird pieces, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but it kind of had to be, you know. Yeah, I guess. Realistic. I don't know. I think realistic the, is the word. But. The, mm-hmm. I, the IKEA jokes were getting me pretty bad too. Oh yeah, with Blind Al. <laughs> try, yeah, <laughs> and they just kept going, making jokes about the different like yeah, which are all real IKEA products. Oh yeah, like the fjord and the you know. <laughs> I mean, I know fjord's not is like a real thing and not like the name yeah. of a dresser from IKEA, but it was like that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. I think it is like a Swedish company or sure. something. Sure. Yeah, yeah. 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 With all their stupid names of stupid things. Yeah. Oh, man, I really want Ikea meatballs now. (laughs) (laughs) 
They're delicious. Have you ever been to IKEA? No, I haven't. No, no. I've oh, never been to IKEA. Is there an IKEA near here? Cincinnati. They just oh, wow, built, okay. they actually, they're building one players. Really? Oh, yeah. really? Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. Well, you, you heard it here first, <laughs> folks. IKEA coming to Polaris. <laughs> oh, All right, man. well. It's, it's just a great movie, and it deserves multiple watchings, and mm-hmm. I will be buying it on Blu-ray the day it comes out. Oh, sure. Same here. Uh, it was really, really, really good. Yeah, God, I, I was extremely. Oh, and the after credit scenes. Yep, don't want to spoil them. They were the best. Yep. But uh, but no, Deadpool, really good. Go check it out. Surprisingly good, especially from the studio that made it. Yeah, and I can't believe it's made as much money as it has for opening weekend. I know, it's gone it's nuts. ridiculous. It broke, it's like all-time highest grossing R-rated film released in February. Yeah. Yeah, like a bunch of little <laughs> subcategories. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But uh, the, the one thing I'm a little concerned about is I hope um, movie companies don't take the wrong like idea idea out of Deadpool because I could see a lot of people going into like meetings saying, I want this to, I want a, a movie like Deadpool and they're They're going to see that and go, okay, breaking the fourth wall, a hard R, you know, a lot of cursing and stuff. And I don't think that was what made Deadpool great. It was the fact that the filmmakers were able to make the film that they wanted to make mm-hmm. and had the freedom to do. Yeah the freedom from uh, uh, corporate meddling. interruption meddling. and meddling. Yeah. yeah. I think that was the real triumph of Deadpool. It, it proves that people who are passionate about a particular product or, or, or project when they're allowed to do, to make the project they want to make. Yeah. Like I, I enjoyed this. I don't want to see the flash movie end up like this. I don't want to no. see, you know, the next Iron Man be yeah. like this because it wouldn't work for those franchises. This no. style worked for Deadpool. <laughs> I don't want Star-Lord to start talking to me in the theater. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I just I just hope that someone at the different movie companies have at least enough sense to go, okay, this worked because we let them do what they wanted. Yeah. And not, we, we just need a, a hard R yeah, comedy. I ho- yeah, I hope it just, it just doesn't just open the floodgates of hard R of superhero movies because it won't work for every superhero. I don't want Spider-Man to end up like this. No. It won't work for most superheroes, No, no. There are very few comic franchises I could think that would work with this. I know Todd McFarlane's talking about trying to get a new Spawn movie made uh, and going for an R rating. You know, that's fine. Yeah, that would work for Spawn. Or Spawn. It would work for Punisher. And it would work for Punisher. But it's not going to work for Batman. It's not going to work for Spider-Man, the X-Men. We've had our Batman, haven't we? No, no. we haven't. No, none no. of the Dark Knight ones were our? Oh, no. Wow. Nope, 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 nope. Um, yeah. I could see him, see him doing an R Batman, too. Uh, it would have to be like Dark Knight. I don't think they would ever do an, an R-rated Batman because uh, it's too much of a family name. Yeah, he's too much of a, yeah, he's too much of a brand. Too. It is. It's not... Too He's much not a... particularly family friendly. No, but over the years, you know, there's been so much Batman. I mean, if Batman 66 or Brave and the Bold style. That's... Or Batman the Animated Crazy. Series. Even Which, then, though, did have its... not particularly kid friendly. Not really. Yeah. No. no it's, it's got its moments. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But, but I think that's why we love it so much. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I just don't want it to, like, studios to go, okay, well, we'll just copy this. And because you know they're, they're just going to fall on their faces for it. Sure. Oh, yeah. Deadpool took a lot of uh, risk chances. No, now I'm doing it. I can't think of the word. But Deadpool, it took a lot of finesse to, to yes. work right. Yeah, it it was. It's not. 
they didn't have an easy time with it. I'm sure it's not easy to. Well, no, they when they said they wanted to make it an R rating, the Fox cut like all of their budget. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, then they got that surprise cut right there toward the end of making it too. Mm-hmm. Well, you know that's why um, during the final climactic scene, the Deadpool didn't have any guns. They he was originally going to have a huge firefight in it, and because they cut out all the funding, they had to write out all of like him using all these guns and stuff. That's why they ended up having it. Him forget all his stuff in that. Hey, where's your and, duffel bag? Yeah. yeah, that's where that scene came from, and they were calling out to why. You know, it wasn't in there. So, oh, can I just say I love the cab driver? That, oh, like, that yeah. Segment was that, those Defender? two segments. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, those were great. I'm so proud of you. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, he's the he's the lead guy in Other Space. On uh, oh, is he? Uh, yeah, he's okay. the main captain. Huh. It's a very funny guy, and you actually, he's been in the. Um, those what were they? Are they AT and T or Verizon commercials where it's like the two tech guys, the one that's you know. I don't know. I don't, know. Okay, I don't well. think I've ever seen those. Okay. Yeah. There's there's a, a handful of commercials from a few years ago where it's like oh, two tech guys yeah. going around. One's, you know, talk, you know, very very. Uh, it's like the engineer, and he's you know he can talk to people and stuff. And then you have the the nerdy super tech guy that makes like weird quips in the background. Well, this guy, the cab driver, was the little the, the weird, weird quip guy. Quip guy in the background. Yeah. I feel like they wanted Kumail Nanjiani, and he was like, "I'm not playing in." Indian cab driver. <laughs> yeah, kind of. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. But anyway, Deadpool, go check it out. It's really good. Go see yes, it in the theaters. It's going to be in, go see it. It's going to be in theaters for a while, I think. So, yeah. Oh yeah, they're going to they're going to they're going to they're going to try to get all the milk money they can out of that one. Oh, and they deserve to, you know? They really it's do. Great. Cuz everyone I've talked to so far absolutely loves it. mm mm-hmm. Mhm. Mhm. All right, well, it looks like we've actually hit our time, so let's go ahead and wrap up here. You've been listening to Nerd Overload. Thank you for tuning in this week. You can find us each and every day over at nerdoverload.com. Also, if you're on social media and you're on Facebook, like most people are, you can find us over at facebook.com forward slash nerdoverload website. You can email us with any questions, concerns, comments at staff at nerdoverload.com. You can tweet us tweets if you use Twitter, a website you can reach at http colon slash slash twitter.com, where our handle is at nerd underscore overload. Thank you for that very detailed description (laughs) of Twitter. It's Uh, a social media platform where you can share messages with your friends of 140 characters or less. Perfect. Nailed it. All right. Well, hey, thanks again for tuning in, and we will be back next week. Peace out. This show was sponsored in part by Creative Foundations, 